This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Everybody's got to set up in this bedding thicket. And saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice bug. Boom! It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 10 yards. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes another week closer to deer season. We made it to another Wednesday. I know it's absolutely crazy hot out there, hard to think about whitetail stuff. Work has been incredibly busy the last couple weeks, so I haven't got a ton done, Um, but couple episodes ago i released one that said i'm no longer hunting public land got a whole bunch of messages about um they really enjoyed the public land content and um why why i was doing it and how i was doing it um but i'm still going to do the public land content that's what you guys like to hear um and it's all deer hunting to me so i can learn stuff from guys that hunt public like i said i believe that it is harder to kill mature bucks consistently on public land 100 percent so it's always good to dig into the tactics of what guys are doing. And that's what we're doing with Adam Lewis tonight. We're digging into some tactics of what he believes will make you a successful public land hunter year after year. Um, and I think we're going to get into four of those. Um, and he has a blog post or download that covers all six or seven of them, I think. Um, we're going to go over four with the time that we had here, and then if you want the rest, you have to go to his website, which we'll we'll put up here, his link to listen to the rest. Um, but before that, let's get into the people that make this possible, and you know that it's Exodus Outdoor Gear. As you guys know, Velvet is Velvet Fest is going right now, and you can save that 15% off um, through through Exodus on their whole entire website, which is a killer deal right now. Um, but as for my Exodus update, um, I still have all the cell cams going. I did get another one out on a different piece of property. Um, excited to see what that holds. I found a velvet giant a couple weeks ago, um, moved the cam in on him. 
and uh, just looking for some notifications from that to see what if he's in the area or if it was just a fluke deal and he was there that night. Um, but excited to get content from that. But the big buck pictures are rolling in. Um, the big velvet bucks are rolling in. They look so huge with that velvet on, so much mass. But um, really blown away with the SB18 solar panels. Um, they have been crushing it. I'm all still at 100% battery life all the way across the board um, and 100% uh, extended battery, 100% internal battery. Um, so I'm hoping to continue that through the whole entire year. I've had one out since January, still 100% external battery, 100% internal battery. Um, running one of those SP18 solar panels. And with the price of lithiums, that is the way to go. So without further ado, let's get into the show and talk a little public land bucks. All right, we got Adam on from Sound Barrier. How's it going, brother? Going good. How you doing, Cody? Doing great. I uh, appreciate you reaching out, wanting to come on again. We chatted, was it last year this time or the year before? They're all blended together now, but I know you're yeah. on an episode... Oh, a year or so ago. Probably a couple years ago now, yeah. but a lot has uh, gone on and changed, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it's been been a few years. Yeah, for sure. I There used to be two people that host, ran this podcast. Now it's just me over here struggle bussing. <laughs> I lost my tech guy. <laughs> but uh, we're getting through it. But man, I appreciate you coming on. I released that episode a couple weeks ago about me no longer hunting public land and kind of the reason I was, you know, wasn't doing it. Um, and then when you reached out and we were like, Hey man, I, you know, I got this, this write up or this, you know, about how to, you know, be successful on pressured ground. I was like, what would be better than me, you know, saying I'm not doing it, but still bringing the content that everybody wants to hear. Um, like I said, at the beginning of this, you know, uh, in the beginning when in the intro that they're all deer, you know, pressured deer, non-pressured deer. So I'm going to be able to learn something from you, even though I'm not hunting high-pressured ground anymore in some areas. Um, I'm still going to be able to pick up something more than likely that I'm going to be able to use because we're all still hunting deer, you know. Right. And, well, maybe I can change your mind. So we'll, we'll see. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's gotten really tough. And so uh, I actually launched a new podcast and website myself called Deer IQ. And so – this is from that. It's uh, Ultra Pressured Public Lands Hunting Guide, Eight New Approaches to Beat the Crowds and Find Success. That's what it's called. And so guys can get this for free, but I just wanted to chat about some of these because, yeah, as you know, and remind me real quick here. So what is the reason you decided not to? Is it just the pressure and running into guys? And Yeah, it's, there was a, there was a whole bunch of uh... – reasons that i decided not to one is i picked up some some more private land of course mm -hmm. another reason was the pressure um another you know ruined hunts stolen stolen trail cams stolen tree stands um another thing was uh the the fact that if i look at the wall of bucks that i have um i've only killed two on public land um and they're not anywhere close to my biggest bucks you know so I have more success in, on private land. Um, so I'm just kind of out there kicking myself around on a giant piece of property trying to figure everything out um, when I should be hunting deer that are less pressured on private land. So if I eliminate that from the equation, I have to focus on my private land deer, even if they are a bit smaller than the deer on public maybe. So that's yeah. that's why I stepped away. There are a whole bunch of different reasons, but mainly was just too much ground, the pressure, and the amount of ruined hunts that I had. Right. Yeah, and it's, I mean, everybody feels that. Uh, I, I feel that, too. And, yeah, that, the pressure is up. Um, and so through recording my podcast this year, I talked to a lot of different guys, and I pre-recorded it all um, this summer. So, um a lot of this is from those. Oh. All right, guys. Well, we had a little technical difficulty, just like I was mentioned earlier, and we had a phone disconnection there. Um, go ahead and get back into what you're saying, Adam. Yeah, so anyways, I've been talking to a lot of, you know, good deer hunters, uh, successful guys in public land, and just, like, what are the – 
what's the difference now? What are some things that uh, different approaches you guys can take to still have success? We know it's highly pressured, but what are some things that can be done different? And so uh, some of those things, and I'll just jump into a few of that. That's all right. Um, yeah, go right ahead. One of the things, and, and these could be big shifts for people, or they might be just slight weeks, but the problem is that, you know, podcasts, I, I wouldn't say it's a problem, but there's a lot of information out there now, right? That wasn't out there before. So you got YouTube, you got podcasts, you got all this information on the internet and the secrets are out. And so everybody's doing them. the same thing. Right. And so uh, there's also this um, popularity now that never used to be there with public land hunting. You know, when I was a kid, um, it wasn't cool to hunt public land. Right. It was like the last, you know, worst case scenario, you might go hunt public, but you definitely didn't want to do it. And now you have guys that want to and actually prioritize uh, doing it. So it's a totally different landscape. Um, and also, as you were saying earlier, I think the NDA last year came out with this uh, their data that around 90% in the Midwest, at least around 90% of deer are still taken on private land. So, um, the challenge is definitely there, but some shift in mentality and tactics um, can be can can help out. So one of those that uh, came up, this was with several of different guys that I talked to, and the first one, this guy's name is uh, Manny Barillo. I always pronounce his last name wrong, so I just call him Manny. But uh, he's a buddy of mine. I actually met uh arm wrestling years ago and um anyway got talking to him it turns out you know really good bow hunter and hunts public land in michigan here and he was telling me about this deer that he was on a public land you know and when you're talking you, you don't know if someone's really they say a big buck you don't know what that means right well he sent me some pictures later, and this indeed was a monster deer. This this deer was 170, 180 range, um, and it's a crazy story. Uh, I actually wrote an article on it. It's on my website um, called A Buck Named Frazier, but he chased this thing for five years, and he put trail cameras all over. He learned this deer. Uh, he chased this one buck in particular and had several encounters with it. Uh, really cool story, but some of the things he did in the, the first, I guess, new approach is hunting the other hunters. And really, on public land, got about, in my perspective, is I'm in Michigan, right? Um, it's pretty high pressure. You've got about a day, maybe two, uh, depending before the deer know they're being hunted. So you've got a hunt or two that you can try to catch the deer on summer patterns, kind of. Uh, after that, it's like you have to shift to hunting the other hunters. Um, and you have to kind of, it's like dropping the mentality of going off deer sign. Now you're gathering intel about. Um, and so it's really taking a step back uh, instead of just trying to outcompete these other guys. I think that is part of the problem with public land hunting is you see other guys parked in different spots. You know, guys are hunting certain areas and you know a deer you want to hunt maybe in that area. And it turns into this competition and it kind of pushes everybody to get super aggressive um quicker than they need to and really you know just blow it up really quick and uh mess it up really quick so after a few days it's more about hunting the other hunters and backing up and just seeing where they're parking uh really seeing how they're entering and exiting their hunting locations and then trying to think like a deer and how would a deer react to that 
And then that's where you want to start potentially hunting and trying to find these deer because they're going to start shifting really quickly, right? And so he even went as far as to put up cameras to monitor these other hunters. And so he would take that data and he'd place them so he's getting, you know, maybe deer pictures, but he's really looking at what other hunters were doing and how they were getting in and out and when they were doing this, you know, what days, what time of day, all this stuff. And he used that data to help tell him where he should hunt based on that pressure. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's a big one is hunting the other hunters within a few days of the, the opener. Uh, they could help you get on the deer and where they're going to be responding uh, to that pressure. Yeah, for sure. That's something I did as well. I, I used to hunt cams that were specifically um, to know kind of like how many there's like one access point to get to one major like the west side of the property well, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd hang a cam really really high there um more or less just to let me know how many people were on that side of property and then you kind of get a feel for if you've hunted the property a long time like this guy has a black e-bike right and he hunts he hunts on this west ridge a lot you know so if he's in there on your trail cam and you get a picture of that e-bike more than likely he's on that west ridge you know if that's where his stand is if he's a you know a hang stand kind of guy um and then you kind of get an idea of who's in and out of there who's pulled trail cameras and where the pressure's been um just like you're saying and when it comes to public land deer what i learned was (laughs) what is funny which seems um different than what a lot of people say is the just genuine spots that are just good for looking for deer in the rut were good and like the spots that people would be like oh we got to go deep we got to get to this crazy pinch point way back in the you know way in here and we would just go to like an ordinary spot that you would think there'd be 15 hunters and there'd be nobody there right but us and then we'd see the biggest deer on the whole entire property go through there in daylight, you know? And that's when we got to the point where like, okay, these are still deer. But like you said, there's that competition factor that you're mentioning where you feel like you got to do all this extra shit to be in the game because all these other guys are doing all this other stuff. But in actuality, half the time you don't have to do that. You just got to, you know, hunt your hunt. And that's what we started doing was like, it's the rut. This is a good pinch point. Why don't we try there? And then we would see our target buck work that pinch. Like this simple, generic deer hunting stuff. You know, instead of, oh, we got to get in there early and let the guys bump them to us. Or we got to hunt the bed. Or we got to do this. Or we got to, you know, be on the outside of the doe bedding. No, let's just go to the pinch point where everybody should be, but no one is. You know? <laughs> yeah, I... That's funny. I, I call that like the, the Disneyland mentality. Um, and that's like number three on my list um, here. It, and it, it's this idea that, yeah, there's these places that going deep, taking a kayak back somewhere, you know, going miles in, whatever, um, has become so popular. Like it's the secret, right? Well, everybody knows the secret. And so those places become this destination location you know like Mm -hmm. disneyland and you show up there and yeah it's the same thing i've experienced like this spring i scouted as far back as i could in this one chunk of uh state land and it was right in the middle it's about a mile back um and i get back in there and there i see about five or six stands back there right um because everybody again has this mentality that that's where you got to go that's where you got to find the big bucks and the reality is about 200 yards off the road on the way in is where i saw the most sign right mm-hmm. so it's 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 more about not going deep like that is i think the cliche the mantra guys have believed but it's like where is overlooked yeah like that might be deep but it might not be it might be next to the road or 
um, you know, where are guys overlooking is what you got to find. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in a few years, that's going to be the spot where everybody's at. Cause that's what people are saying now. Cause that's, what's true. Everybody's went super deep. And now what, what gets misconstrued in my mind is people don't understand that hard to access and deep is two different things. Like if you're taking a kayak in deep, but it's pretty easy paddling like there's not a lot you have to do. You just got to put a kayak in, take it out. People are like in, going out of their way to do that kind of stuff now. Like when I first started hunting public land, there was nobody that was even like if you were mobile, you had a climber. Like that was being mobile. There was nobody that was bopping around hunting three different trees, three different days. Like everybody kind of had their zones and that's where you know everybody hunted. And then mm-hmm. that's where you hunted, you know, and, and now, like you said, everybody's bopping around every single piece of the property has been covered by multiple different people. So there is no secluded spot. Even if you think it is, there's probably okay. more than likely been someone in there. It's just how it is now on public land. Yeah. It's, um, and I don't know how much of there was before, um actual places that people didn't get to i I would say it's more and i think the biggest thing with that is probably just the apps the gps stuff yeah yeah that has allowed guys and really um and i call that boots beat screens right so everybody has an app now where before you had to get a map and they didn't really tell you much, right? So you had to get on the ground and actually walk out in these swamps and go across these, you know, whatever streams and through this thick stuff. And you didn't know it was really out there, right? Yeah. You really, you really had to work to even find locations where now everybody can just pull it up on their app, right? And so that has actually made it harder because it's revealed all this stuff right Mm -hmm. um there's less secret spots right there everybody can see the same thing so everything's accessible to everybody relatively the same right um and so it's almost like you have to avoid things you're seeing on your app um if it looks good on your app i mean you can check it out but you have to remember that is visible to somebody else too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so everybody can see that if you can see it pretty easily, everybody can see it. And so everybody's going to gravitate toward there. That's going to be one of those Disneyland locations and you get there and there's five kayaks. Right. Um, And so it's, it's about finding spots that don't pop out on the app uh and getting on the ground but kind of like what you're saying um and really trusting what you're seeing on the ground and what uh, actually takes work to find right and avoiding those spots that look good which sounds doesn't sound right but um you're talking about a screen here and, and remembering that a screen can't tell you that much um I think that's another thing. So screens, I think guys over-rely on apps now. Um, they might show you a pinch point, something like that, but uh, really it's getting away from that, I think, technology, getting down to boots, getting down to things where you're actually on the ground seeing what sign you're seeing, Um and the stuff that you can't see from a screen is going to give you a better chance to get away from guys that are relying heavily on their apps and on their phones and stuff like that. Yeah, when I when I first started hunting public land, it was, like you said, you didn't have all the hunt stands and the Onyx and, and also, and a lot of people that would go there, they wouldn't even know that, like, the left side of the road was public, too. Like... They wouldn't even know that just simple fact because it wasn't on a map. They hadn't been to the office and got the printed off map that they gave out. Um, It wasn't posted very well. And I would kind of let them go 
and hang in my truck, and then I'd shoot off to the left. And I would see very few people in there, and then I would come out, and they'd be like, oh, is that, you know, a couple guys would be like, oh, is that public land too? I'm like, yeah, it is. Um, And it was just this little, like, 15-acre block that was off the gravel road that was surrounded by private, but there was, like, a peninsula, peninsula of public land easement through the private to this little pocket. Um, and before that, the app that shows all the public land, that wasn't, no one even knew it was there. And I can't imagine for people like in, you know, where they have the, the private public access, you know, where they get paid people, you know, other States, you can get paid for let, to let people on your private land. Like without that app, there's no way you'd be able to look on your map from here and I'm looking in North Dakota and like, okay, there's public here, here, but here. You just have to drive around in a circle and be like, oh, this is this is public access. Like there would be no way to figure it out. Um, so not only the ease of finding a good spot, but the ease of knowing where public is is at an all-time high. And like you said, everybody's got a video out now of how they read a map or what they do in the maps. That And like you said, it's all pinpointing to the same kind of – areas another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app find a location near you at bank of slash talk to us what would you like the power to do Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, you've almost, uh, I mean, I'm not saying to totally avoid those spots, but I mean, I can give you a ton of examples where you see those on a map and you go there and you find people. Like, you might find some deer sign, but you find people really quickly. Um, I was out in Kansas last uh, fall doing the same thing. So I had to scout, you know, on maps, um, apps before I got there, I had all these points in different places picked out and all the obvious ones, um, had all the deer star, the, the hunter sign, right. Uh, the, the spots that look best, everybody sees them. And so you got to kind of assume that don't think that you're really that great at it, you know, better than everybody else. Cause everybody's going to see those obvious places, Go for the less obvious places, right? Yeah, one one huge tip I could put out there for someone that's looking for a spot like this, if it's an area that has very few trees, it's low pressure. Like, it's just just part right. of the game, man. Everybody loves to be in a tree stand, um, and that's a little secret that I've used over the year. If there's not a lot of good trees to get in a tree stand, there's probably less, way less people back there. Um, I don't know what it is about people and whitetails on public land but they want to get into the biggest block of timber where you know there's a block of an overgrown pasture with three or four trees in it and there's nobody there it's like one of those overlooked spots and i think you can dictate a lot of that by how how many options are there to hang and hunt you know yeah if there's no trees there's probably going to be no hunters yeah, and, and it's. I would like to see the you know like the statistics now of how many people are on public land are hanging and hunting. I bet you it's like sixty five percent, seventy percent. You know, so you used to be able to like, oh, there's a tree stand here. There's probably going to be a hunter at some point, but now there's mm-hmm. not even that to kind of give you insight. It's kind of like maybe it looks like someone's been up this tree before and took a stand down. Like that's the only thing you got to work with. (laughs) Yeah. You can see the claw marks on the tree or something and, you know, maybe some boot tracks, but, um, yeah. And that gets back to really monitoring the other hunters. But yeah, I think a lot of guys are really stuck on the idea of, uh, having to be in a tree. Uh, you know, they spend a lot of money now on these, and it, 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 I kind of look at it as, I mean, let's be honest, it's a little bit of a fad, some of the stuff, right? Yeah, oh yeah, um, 100%. The, I look at it as all tools, right? So these are tools that can help me, 
one tool is good for a certain situation. Another one's good for another. Um, but it's kind of become a fad thing. So everybody's got either a saddle or this really light hang on, you know, mm. and they're kind of obsessed with their, their setup. Right. And so they, I mean, if you spend a bunch of money on that stuff and you're really into that and you've, uh, really bought into that, you're going to want to use that, right. You're going to want to get up in a tree and use that. And that's understandable. I mean, I'm, I'm there as well. But if you think about that and you think, okay, that's where all these hunters are going to be going. Uh, that's where the deer are going to be immediately pressured and they're going to be pushed, you know, out of those areas. Not real far, but they're going to be pushed out of those areas, right? They're going to start avoiding those areas. So where are they going to go where they aren't getting hunted? And like you said, it's many times if there's not trees you can hunt out of there uh, and it's, you know, you got some cover um and you'd have to ground hunt or something like that there's a good chance that that there's going to be deer there right yeah i feel like for me i i i like i'm a tree stand guy i like to be up in the air um but i feel like i've missed a lot of opportunities to have good hunts because i'm scared to hunt off the ground because i'm just not good at it um and it's something that now my you know my boys hunting with me so i'm gonna be hunting off the ground a lot more with, you know, with him cause he's going to be crossbow hunting and that, you know, he's not comfortable shooting out of a tree stand yet. So I'm, I'm just excited to see, I know what's going to happen is I'm going to end up, you know, hunting that style and been like, man, the last six or seven years I've been messing up because I should have been hunting the ground more, but I'm just not, I haven't hunted it enough to be confident in that situation. Um, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that I, I hate it. Like I have a lot of people that message me because of the show and how long I've been doing it. And 90% of the messages are about hunting, right? I mean, that's, that's what I talk about. So I wouldn't, you wouldn't believe the amount of guys that say you got to get in a saddle. You got, you just have to, like you have to put everything away and you have to get in a saddle. Now I'm not knocking them as an incredibly successful tool. They've been a successful tool forever, but in my mind, just like you were saying, you got to do what you're good at. And switching back and forth all the time isn't good for me. Like, I'm good at, at doing what I'm good at, you know, and, and doubling down on that. So I have a light hang on set. Um, it was a really good addition to the way that I hunt. Um, but there's no way that I want to relearn everything and hunt out of a saddle for very little benefit, I would believe in the way that I hunt, you know? So I don't know how many messages a month, at least five to eight people message me. And why don't you have anybody talk about saddle hunting on your show? Why don't you saddle hunt or you need to get in a saddle. And like I said, I'm not knocking saddles at all, but I've never even set in one. So I can't, but the reason (laughs) I haven't set in one is because I don't want to. (laughs) <laughs> no matter how cool it is or no matter who says it's the best thing to be is, I don't want to do it. And like you said, there is a lot of the it's a fad kind of deal, you know, and they're hunting it because this person said it. But if right. it's benefiting you and you're killing more deer because of it, hell yeah. But if you're out there hunting in a saddle and you're like, this thing, I don't like it. It's ruining hunts. I'm not doing as good as I was in a tree stand. Why continue to hunt out of a saddle? Just blows my mind that guys are like, well, I went to saddle hunting and, you know, I've been struggling. I'm like, why, why stay there? Go back to what you're doing. Yeah. There's, there's a whole, I don't know. Yeah. It is a fad like thing and trying to wanting to do what other guys are doing and like the cool factor, which again, that's not going to kill deer for you. So it's, you know, use a tool for what it's, what it's used for. Uh, if it can help you, great. If it can't use a different tool, a better tool, whatever it might be. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you have to hunt where the deer are. So if a saddle helps you do that better, great. If a lockdown helps you, great. But if you need to get on the ground, uh, which could be a good idea, right? Yeah. Because everybody else is in the trees. And so, the deer are going to avoid 
those areas. Yeah. And, and I noticed, um, when I was hunting public land a lot is you get into an area where there isn't a lot of trees, but there is still pressure. Those deer look right into those trees and see if there's someone in them, especially the does, because there's so few options for hunters to be in that area that if there's a tree there, someone, a hunter's probably been in there before in that tree. So I, I don't know how many times I got busted by does and I'm like, I didn't even move, but they just, they're like, Oh, there's only six trees in this four acre block. So when I walk past them, I'm just going to look up in them and see if I see anything, you know, mm-hmm. over the years of them getting hunted. Um, and like I said, that, that's something that I'm going to try this year. And I believe that I have missed a lot of opportunities hunting because I'm afraid to hunt on the ground. And that's something that I, I'm going to change for sure. Yeah. So that can be a big one. Just uh, again, changing that, that mentality there. Um, another one we, we kind of touched on, you kind of said it, but is, and I talked to a guy uh, named Dr. Jeff Kelly, and he's, uh, He's hunted a ton of public land all around the country. Um, in, in Michigan, it's more private, but he goes out west to Iowa, Kansas, uh, Nebraska, all these different places, uh, Wisconsin, with success uh, year after year. You know, so I talked to him, and he's kind of extreme. And kind of one of the things that came up when I was talking with him is just, you know, the idea of upping your pain tolerance. Um, Again, I think a lot of guys aren't, you know, let's be honest, we aren't as, maybe as tough as we think we are or like to think we are. And so, you know, we get back in there that mile, you know, and it, it sounds like we're doing something pretty tough, but maybe it isn't, right? Maybe it isn't really that hard to get to. Um, and so it's really realizing that you've got to, if you really want to get where no one else will go, um, you have to really, really overcome some barriers, like big barriers. Um, and so that takes getting in better shape, right? Are you in good enough shape uh, to kind of be more physical than the next guy, really have a higher pain tolerance than the next guy to put up with more to get back in a spot, you know? Because at some point, guys are like, uh, we're all like this this just isn't worth it anymore. Right. I'm going to hunt the easier spot. Um, and so it's really, you know, can you get in better shape, endurance, agility, strength, what's your program there? Can you up that? It's going to help you. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, he does stuff like, for example, he's got a boat that he hauls. He's got an inflatable raft that he puts in a, uh, like a trailer he has on his bike. So he bikes in somewhere. He's got a trailer with stuff. He's got an inflatable raft where, you know, even waiters won't do the job. Uh, so he's doing like multiple things just to get to areas that other guys wouldn't be able to do at all, right? Unless you are hauling an inflatable raft around or something like that uh, to get away from those guys. And so I think that's, that was a little eye-opening for me, this idea of, oh, like we kind of talked, these places that no one can get to or no one goes to, well, they're pretty accessible unless you're willing to go through some very difficult things to get to these locations. So I think it's upping your your pain tolerance and your accessibility or accessibility options. Like, what do you have? that other guys don't have to help you get to these areas. Right. Yeah. Uh, those are some big things to really assess and look at. Uh, Cause if you're honest, everybody's got a pair of, you know, hip boots or whatever. Everybody's got a kayak. Um, that's probably not enough. People hate Hills. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's one of the main things I've seen, especially in like farm country. Um, people hate Hills. They just, I know, I know probably like in Ohio stuff where hills are more regular, um, maybe Indiana a little bit that they might, it might avoid, they might 
not avoid them, but around here, if you if you can get up a big hill, you've just lost a lot of people for central yeah. central you know west central Illinois ag country. Um, right. But I agree with what you're saying. Um, I mean, people that listen to this podcast know that I do the Ruckcation podcast where I do, you know, 15 to 18 days of hunting. I record a podcast every day. Um, and the first year we did it, I was kind of making a joke about we're going to be out there every single day and people are going to be saying, you know, oh, that must be nice or whatever. And we're going to make we're going to hunt every day because that's what we need to do. I didn't realize how physically draining that was and how hard it was going to be to actually pull that off. Um, and I actually missed two, one morning and one evening during that time, um, just because uh-huh. I physically didn't have it, mentally or physically. And like you said, I felt like I was in good shape. I felt like there's no way that that was going to stop me. Um, but it gets to a point during the season, and a lot of it is mentality especially if you're on Facebook and everybody's killing bucks, but you and you're out there and you're like, man, I just got to will it, you know, force it to happen and keep hunting and keep hunting. You can do that. But sometimes man, you get in your own head and, and you make stuff twice as hard. At least I do. I make stuff twice as hard as it should be. Um, Cause like I said, you're not trying to compete with other people, but you want to be successful like other people are just plain and simple. That's why you're out there hunting. Right. So I definitely agree that having some kind of physical fitness, if you want to get in to those spots is, or like you said, some means to get away. Like a lot of people don't have an e-bike in your area and you can act, use the e-bike. Like a buddy of mine has got one on a payment plan, you know, where he pays monthly for this e-bike. I think it's like a three year loan that he has because he wanted to be able to access stuff better than other people, you know? So, right. You can, there's ways to go about it for sure. Yep. Well, what's next, next on the list? I think we got time for one more and then we'll make, make them go to your podcast to get the rest. All right. Uh, let's see here. Well, we kind of, I'll kind of piggyback off this a little bit here. And it's, I said it, but it's up your accessibility. Um, and this, kind of depends on your area and what's in your area right but so i talked to uh jimmy sites he has a he actually has a pretty big tv show and he's down in uh, tennessee and so they have these big reservoirs down there and um other states have some of this too where there's like a lot of public that's uh right on the fringe of these reservoirs right and so a lot of these spots, um, they're just really hard to get to. Uh, other guys won't. It's not like a kayak stuff. It's like boating miles, right? So he puts in his boat. He boats miles, but he's done all his homework where basically he's going and hunting in people's backyards, basically, um, on these teeny little strips um, of it's army corps of engineer land. Right. And so a lot of people don't even realize you can hunt that. Um, a lot of people don't even know where it is. Right. Because some of it's right up into these subdivisions and in between houses and stuff. But that's where a lot of these deer are living because it's safe. Right. And guys aren't going to boat that far, um, to go up and get in there. And so, that's just kind of, a, I guess, an extension of what we just talked about, about your accessibility um, and just finding these little oases, um, again, that are overlooked. You know, like, what are you willing to do or what can you do to even get back in those places? Because, like, for me, I've got a kayak. Well, I might kayak a mile. Uh, two, two miles is a pretty long kayak trip, especially if you then get something. You know, how do you get it out of there um, if if you're having to use that kayak, right? So, um, again, what do you have to go to some of these really out-of-the-way places um, that other guys really aren't going to go to or can't get to? Uh, that's that's another one there. And he's he's been pretty successful at doing that. Um, 
because there's they're so small and overlooked, right? Yeah, for sure. I know I've had a lot of people on the podcast that use a you know like a boat and they boat way down river and then back in back door to public land. I think that's a great option if you that's something you can do. Um, you know, power in on a boat and then go from there because you've already you're if it's to get to the river if it's a mile and a half you can start at the river you've eliminated a lot of people you know by having that as a means of you know getting there but if that's something you can't do like you said you got a kayak and i've kayaked and a lot of it around here is you got you know you go in which is fine but then you got to get out and most of the time the out is up river or up current you know yeah, so well- ways is (laughs) yeah so like that's when you get into the the problem of how how like how long is it gonna take me to get out am i gonna get in in 20 minutes but it's gonna take me three hours to get out like there comes a point where is it worth it because you're not gonna be able to hunt tomorrow kind of deal because you're in there you know and you wasted so much energy on on that hunt right because i've thought about you know, kayaking into some spots around here. And I'm just like, even if I went down river, it would be another two and a half hours in the dark to pull out at the next bridge. Like there's not a lot of spots to get in and out because the public land's only so big. And then if you continue to go down the river, it's private land. You can't get out through there. So you got to go to a bridge, you know, to get out. So um, like I said, there's ways to do it, but you definitely have to think about it and see if it's going to be worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. And if you can find a way for those areas, you know, that goes in pretty much into the extra work. Right. So how many guys are going to be willing to put in that effort to even think about that, uh, even plan that out and then have the, the tools, right. To be able to pull that off. Um, those type of things can potentially, yeah, get you away from some guys. Yeah. So to break it down, we got, um, hunting the hunter. So basically hunting, you know, figuring out where they're at. The most frequent spots aren't always the best. Try to stop utilizing maps or not. You can utilize them, but stop re relying on maps so much in certain areas because everybody else is doing that and everybody has access to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Try to be, as physically fit as possible. If you plan on doing this type of hunting to be able to get out away from, um, there's the, what I always tell people is be physically fit or dedicate more time to get to somewhere. Like, because if it takes you a long time to get, you could get somewhere slowly and not be, you know, super physical fit and it won't be taxing. But if you want to get somewhere remotely quick and not be really, really draining, you're going to have to be in some physical shape um and then uh lastly you know think about your access and how you can maybe improve it in some way shape or form whether that be you know boat kayak uh you know electric bike if the if they you know can use it even accessing even if you can get prop permission to access through private to public land like they won't let you hunt it but it's like hey you got this road here that goes right along the edge of the field do you mind if i just walk through there and a lot of times you could get a farmer to say yeah i don't mind especially if you say hey if i get a deer down do you mind me getting it out this way a lot of times they're cool with that because they don't want to see the deer go to waste just like everybody else you know that's that's what a lot that's a lot of like a lot of times people don't think about is okay i got two and a half miles back i kayaked in a mile i hiked in a mile um now i got to get all my gear my stand and a buck out like then you're like wow okay we got a lot of a lot of planning that i need to do and you need to like you said you need to plan that before season starts at least get yeah. some remote idea of it logistics yeah yeah so you said that there is a few more that you got and that where where they where can the listeners find that at so if you go to deeriq.com, um there's a tab that you can uh click on and it's the uh, Pressured Public Lands Hunting Guide. So, uh, yeah, it's a free download. There's eight total. And uh, let me see here. Yeah, it's under the About section. So, DeerIQ.com, under About, 
public land guide. Uh, you can sign up for it there and um, get that. And also check out, we got a new podcast that the difference is we're going through a curriculum. And so it's all laid out for the entire year. Um, and we have a free journal to go along with that. The guys can help, uh, can help guys to kind of go through that curriculum as they go. So that's cool. Um, At least I yeah, mean, you get great. to know kind of what's coming up next week and how you can follow along. And, you know, yep. this week really pertains to me. So I need to tune in for sure, you know, this week. Um, cause like, like everything, everybody, you know, everybody gets busy and even listen to a podcast. Sometimes it seems like it's easy to do, but I find myself, like, man, I wanted to listen to that show and I still haven't done it just because there's, like you said, there's so much content out there nowadays. It's hard right. to absorb everything, you know. When when I first started this, it was easy to absorb almost every single podcast that was out about deer hunting in a week, like easily, you know. So it's crazy to see how much it's grown. But I like your idea of having kind of a curriculum where people can see what's coming up and, and pre-recorded podcasts are the way to go, man. I love doing that during season. It's so cool um, to be able to, you know, knock out a whole bunch, get in that mindset and then release them, you know, throughout, throughout the months. Yep. So yeah, you can, uh, find some good stuff there. And we have, uh, one other thing I would say real quick, we have a deer IQ test. So you can go on there, take this little test and it, it, it's fun, but it's also challenging to kind of see where you fall on this scale. Um, and then our content, so our blog, the podcast, and then our YouTube channel is ranked by IQ. So at least gives you an idea of if it's a basic or beginner, intermediate or advanced type content. Uh, so that's another thing we have there. So that's cool. Yeah. I like the, I like your format. That's really cool. Well, Adam, I appreciate you coming on and, uh, I yeah, guarantee you there's going to be some listeners that benefit from this and also benefit from the deer IQ, man. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me, man. All right, guys, where well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Adam, make sure and check out that deer IQ. I'm definitely going to, it sounds really cool. Um, a different t- uh, form of content. You can kind of pick and choose what you want to listen to. And, uh, uh, I'm going to take that deer IQ test too. What the hell would be, be fun to see kind of what the questions are and where I rank on that. Definitely has some stuff I can learn. Um, but like always guys, I appreciate you tuning in all the way to the end. I appreciate you supporting the show every single week. Um, the download numbers this year have been incredible. I cannot thank you guys enough for that. Um, I'm excited to keep bringing some whitetail content, getting closer to season. The numbers are going up. More people are getting excited about deer hunting. I can see it on my end. So hopefully you're able to get out, scout, um, do some velvet scouting at the bean field, some glassing, put a cam up, whatever. Get out there and enjoy the whitetail woods, even though it is 1,000 degrees out right now. Um, but I love you guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate you tuning in. Um, like always, try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out.